Hey, this is Five Minutes with Elvin. You're listening to Zhang Dang Part One. Let's recap what we've learned. Today we focused on one of Zhang Dang's valedictions for his wife Anne, a valediction of weeping. Before that, let's take a look at a short list of the major features of metaphysical poetry, since Zhang Dang is known as a metaphysical poet. Here's a list of eight features of the metaphysical poetry. One, seventeenth-century poetry of wit and startling extended metaphors. Two, spirit of revolt against the Petrarchan conceit. Three, tendency toward psychoanalyses of the emotions of love and religion. Four, penchant. For the novel and the shocking, five, use of the metaphysical conceit, six, characterized by logical elements, seven, analytical, psychological, disillusioning, and bold. Eight, the form is often an argument. Now let's get back to the poem of the week. A valediction of weeping. Vale, or vale in Latin, means farewell. Dict, from dicer, means to speak. A valediction is a work to bid farewell, to say goodbye. This is one of the goodbye poems Zhang Dong writes for Anne before he takes off to the other side of the English Channel, as he sometimes does. The poem comes in three stanzas. The first stanza starts with the metaphors of tears, coins, and fruits—a series of round metaphors. In the first stanza, the poet emphasizes the importance of crying in front of his loved one, so that his tears are shed, each with an image of his lover reflected on it. So that his tears are something worth, are emblems of more. The last line of this stanza is written in montage, the sudden shift of time and space. The line starts with a close-up shot on the tear of the poet, with an image of his lover. We follow the tear till it drops. We see both the teardrop and the image break. And when we look up, the poet and his lover are already standing on different sides of the English Channel, saying that they are nothing without each other. Zhang Dang writes in a cinematic technique, way before 1895, when movies came into being. The second stanza starts with the metaphors of an empty bowl, which grows into a globe in the world. And back to tears, a second series of round metaphors. In the second stanza, the poet explains that while other people's world is a round bowl with continents over it, his world is a tear, with his lover's image over it. He begs his lover not to add any more tears onto his world. Otherwise, his world will be drowned and his heaven will be dissolved. 
The image of a dissolved heaven is the poet's way to say the sorrow of his lover can drown his ultimate joy of love. The third stanza starts with the metaphors of the moon and a sphere, the third series of round metaphors. Since the moon can draw up tides in our world, so can his lover draw up tides in his world and drowns it. In comparison to the moon, the magic power of his lover seems even more powerful. The poet then begs his lover not to set bad examples for the sea and the wind by crying hard to encourage tides. And by sighing hard to encourage winds. In the last line of the poem, the poet lovingly threatened his lover not to cry, by the following logic: Since it is said that a loving couple shares one breath, if either one grieves and sighs, the breath of life will be sighed away. And the other one will die soon. So, if you wish me well, stop crying. This is five minutes with Elvin. I'll see you in class.